Uh, it's against Christ. It's instead of Christ. These are the spirits that John is talking about here. This can be uh, easily misconstrued and actually twisted by other people. Remember in the same verse he's talking about false prophets. Uh, but it can be uh, uh, mistaught uh, to say that there's more than one spirit of God. And there's people that will uh, that condone that teaching, people that are in church that will go right along with that teaching because of some verses that we find in the book of Revelation and some verses that we find in the book of Isaiah talking about the seven spirits of God. Folks, there is only one spirit of God. Uh, it is the Holy Ghost of God. And those spirits that Revelation and Isaiah bring up, that's, a, that's about a month's worth of lessons that I could give you. Maybe we'll get into that one of these days. Uh, but it's basically talking about different attributes of the Spirit of God. When you look over in the book of Isaiah and you compare it with what the book of Revelation uh, ta uh, uh, says, it's uh, talking about the Holy Spirit, not several spirits of the, of the one living God. There is only one Spirit. But I said we're, we won't get into that this morning. Uh, but believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God. Uh, so we need to try the spirits. And this is something that I've heard quoted for many years, and I'm sure you've heard uh, quoted for many years. And it is something that we need to do as Christians. It's a direct commandment out of the word of God. John here has given a commandment to believers in Jesus Christ. Try the spirits. Whether, they're, whether they be of God, whether they're truly of God, and he tells us the why, because many false prophets are going out into the world. So in other words, John here is saying, if somebody comes to you and tells you something that you don't think quite lines up with Scripture, you don't think that it, uh, that it lines up with the Word of God, or sometimes if, if it even is in the Word of God, try those spirits. And see if they be of God. Because there are many false prophets that are going out into the world. There are people out there that have the spirit of Antichrist. And they will do their best, to, as the saying goes around here, to pull the wool over your eyes. To steer you in a different direction. And there are people uh, out there that will, uh, if you ask them a question about the Bible, they will do their best to steer you in the direction that they take with the Bible instead of telling you what thus saith the word of God. These are the spirits that we need to try, whether they be of God or not, because there are people out there that will uh, do their dead level best to steer you in the wrong directions. There are men in pulpits that'll do it. There are Sunday school teachers that'll do it. There's family members that'll do it. There's people that's been in church for 50 years and have heard the true gospel of Jesus Christ, but they've never been convinced. They've never been convinced that this is the one true word of God, and they come across something in the scripture. They say, well, I believe that it means this, but it doesn't line up with the rest of the Bible. Let scripture interpret scripture. Let scripture be its own witness, be its own testimony. And don't go with what man says just because it might make sense in our finite minds. We need to stick with what thus saith the word of God. Verse 2, Amen. hereby know ye the Spirit of God. This is important. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Why would he have wrote something like this? Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh 
is of God. And this is how, this is how according to John's writings, hereby know, uh, know ye the Spirit of God. How can we discern what's true and what's false? How can we uh, discern what's right and what's wrong? How do we know the Spirit of God? Because every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. There are people out there, once again, people that's been in church basically all of their lives that don't believe that Jesus Christ was God come in the flesh. They believe that he was uh, that he was a spirit. There's all kinds of different uh, different takes on this. Uh, but back in John's days, there were a couple of groups of people that thought that Jesus Christ was nothing more than a spirit. And the Bible does say that God is a spirit. I ain't saying I'm not saying that it doesn't say that God is a spirit, and those they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. But they say that Jesus Christ was a spirit. That, that took on the form of man, but they, but this group that was around in John's day, they were saying that Jesus Christ never cast a shadow. He never left a footprint. You go back in, in Jewish history and church history, and you read about these people. And this, these are the things that they were teaching. They were saying that Jesus Christ was not God come in the flesh. And anyone that believes that Jesus Christ was not God manifested in the flesh, they are, if they claim to be converted, they are falsely converted. That is, that is a staple of the Christian faith that God condescended to earth and took on man's flesh, took on a robe of flesh that he could suffer, that he could bleed, that he could die, that he could shed his blood for the remission of many sins. A spirit cannot do that. Jesus Christ was and is God in the flesh. When Jesus Christ ascended, I don't see that it was just a soul or just a spirit that ascended unto the Father. Jesus Christ uh, ascended in a body. And Jesus Christ, to my knowledge of the scriptures, is still in a body. In the book of Revelation, John saw him as a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. That tells me Jesus Christ still had those scars in his hand, still had the scar in his side, the very, the very scar in his side that he invited Thomas to stick his fingers in. The, Jesus Christ was in a body when he ascended, and Jesus Christ, to my knowledge in the scripture, is in a body now. And once again, as far as I can tell in scripture, he's the only one in heaven that does have a, an actual tangible, physical body right now. But, once again, that's, uh, that, that's other lessons that I'm kind of intermingling there. But hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. Now, does this mean that anybody that comes to you, anybody, and says, I believe that Jesus Christ is God come in the flesh. Does that mean that they have the Spirit of God. No. No, that's not what that means. Satan could come to me right now and say that. Satan knows that Jesus Christ was God come in the flesh. But does that mean that he has the Spirit of God? No. We still need to use discernment. We still got to use discernment. And we've read about that in the previous chapters in First uh, in John. How, how can we use this discernment? How do we know if someone is... is Truly, uh, a true blue, born again Christian, truly living for God, uh, truly been born again. Honestly, there is no 100% way to know that. 
Y'all don't know if I'm truly saved or not. And I don't know if you're truly saved or not. That is something that only you and God and, and God and I know about one another. Those are the only two people that know 100% if we're saved or not. It's yourself and Almighty God. I can stand here and tell you that I'm saved, and I am saved. Uh, but you don't know that for 100% sure about me. And I don't know it for 100% sure about you, but how how can we how do we know what are, what are the telltale signs of it? Well, in First John, John's give us uh, some examples that we've read so far. Really, it's it's about the lifestyle we live. Are we living for God? Uh, take what he's talking about here: false prophets and false teachers. These people were condemned in the Old Testament by Almighty God. You read Deuteronomy chapter 13, you read the very end of Deuteronomy chapter 18, and God condemns false teachers. And not only does he condemn them, not only does he say judgment will fall upon you, he tells his people, the Israelites, the children of Jacob, they shall die. You shall be the ones to kill them. You'll be the ones to take up stones. You'll be the ones that lay your hands first upon them, and then everybody else will follow in line. This was God's commandment to his people about, uh, about other people that were teaching and preaching false doctrine in the, in the days of Moses. So God takes false teachers very seriously. Very seriously. They're condemned to death or condemned to die in the Old Testament. Praise God for grace. They have opportunity to repent in the time that we live in. They have opportunity to hear the gospel. And they have opportunity to say, I've been wrong all this time. I've been leading people astray. I've been leading them from the word of God instead of in the word of God. And they can repent of their ways and believe on Jesus Christ as their Savior. And they can be saved. Praise yeah. God for that. Verse 3, and every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. So every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. The very next verse, every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. Well, that's kind of a given for us who, who are saved. If someone comes to us and says, I do not believe that Jesus Christ was or is God come in the flesh or God manifested in the flesh, folks, do not listen to anything else that that person has to say about Scripture. If they can't believe that basic fact, and it is a basic fact. I mean, John chapter 1, the Gospel of John, in chapter 1 says he, he came into his own and his own received him not. Uh, Jesus Christ came into his own. God came into his own. And he, and he wished to tabernacle with his people. He wished to commune with them and live amongst them. And the only way that he could do that truly was to take on this form of flesh and, and to live amongst his people. I understand in the Old Testament and the, the tabernacle that they carried around with them, the tent uh, that they carried around with them. I understand uh, that God was with them that time. I understand they followed them around in a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. And I understand that he guided their way. I understand he protected them. I understand God was with his people, but he wanted to commune with his people. He wanted to live amongst his people. 
It's the very reason that he created the garden. He created Adam. He created Eve. He wanted to commune with his creation. He didn't wish to commune with the whales. He didn't wish to commune with the giraffe or with an elephant. Uh, an elephant. He made man in his very own image that he could have something that would worship him, that would serve him, and that he could commune with. That was God's desire, and that's God's desire now. Amen. His desire is to commune and to live amongst his people. Right. Praise God. He, he took it up a level with salvation. He took it up a level Lord in the God. New Testament when the Spirit of God was dumped out and, 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 and we receive His Spirit. Not only does He live amongst us, He lives within us as individuals. And that was His desire from the very beginning. From Adam and Eve on. And truth be known, from, from the be beginning of all eternity, God is the Ancient of Days. He is the everlasting one. He is Alpha and Omega. He is beginning and the end. He was there in the beginning. Bless God, he'll be there in the end. Amen. So that was his desire from the very get-go, was yes. to commune and have relationship and fellowship with his creation. That's what separates God. us from the, rest of, from the rest of this world. As far as the animal kingdom goes, God didn't create those to serve him. He can have them serve him. But he created but he created man to serve him. And he created man to worship him. I've never seen a squirrel praise God. I've never seen a horse praise God. But I've seen men and women praise God. And I've seen them serve God. Every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God of anyone. If anyone tells you, I don't care how long they've been preaching or teaching. I don't care if they can quote it from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21. I don't care about any of that. If they tell you that Jesus Christ is or was not God come in the flesh, they are a false convert. They are a liar. They have the spirit of Antichrist. And you don't listen to anything else that person says. And some people will say, well, Spencer, they said this, they said that Jesus Christ died for sinners. Folks, that's not a false statement, but you've heard me say it before. A broken clock is correct twice a day. That doesn't mean that it works. A, fa a, a false teacher, someone who, who will not confess that Jesus Christ was God come in the flesh, they are a false teacher and they have the spirit of Antichrist, and we are to avoid any teaching, any teaching, that they have. I could name you a slew of false teachers that are out there right now that have some truth intermingled with their false teachings. And that's, that's not to say that those truths are lies. It's to say that I have no respect and I have no regard for anything that they have to say because it's not consistent. We have to be consistent in this thing. If we go out here and we live for God 20 days out of the month, but the last 10 or 11 days out of the month, we're living like a hellion. Folks, that's not the sign of a true convert. That is not the sign. If we go out here and we live for God five days a week, but Friday and Saturday we're out there partying it up, that's not a sign of a true convert. 
It's a sign of a false convert. It's a sign of somebody that's got the spirit of Antichrist. I don't care what they get up and say on Sunday morning. If they're living a lie that drags the name of God and drags the church through the mud, yeah. folks, they are a false convert. They're a false Amen. convert. They have the spirit of Antichrist, and we should avoid them. Where have you heard that it... Uh, this is the spirit of Antichrist. Where have you heard that it should come? And even now, already is it in the world. This is the days of John. This was 2,000 years ago. He says the spirit of Antichrist was already in the world then. Folks, the spirit of Antichrist has been in the world ever since the fall of Satan. That's where the spirit of Antichrist began, and that's where, uh, and that's where it, uh, its root is and has been from the very get-go. This whole thing was in Satan's fall. When Lucifer fell from heaven, the spirit of Antichrist fell upon this earth, and it has influenced men and women and children ever since. We've got to be careful of this thing. Ye are of God, little children, verse 4. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He's encouraging the, the readers of his letter now. He's encouraging fellow believers in Christ. Ye are of God, little children, and, and have overcome them. Have overcome who? The false prophets. The spirits of, of Antichrist, or those with, with the spirit of Antichrist. Ye have overcome them. But I want you to pay very close attention to something that's in this verse. And I want you to, to hear me really well here. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. This is very important. Greater is he that is in you. How many of y'all quoted that before? How many of y'all said, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world? You quoted it wrong. The word you Greek word called humin is plural. Greater is he that is in you. Who is he addressing? Little children. That's plural. Ye are of God, little children. Ye. Anytime you read the word ye in the scriptures, it is plural. He's talking to the group of Christians. He's talking to uh, uh, to more than one saved person, more than one person of like faith. So if we say greater is he that is, that is in me than he that is in the world, yes, that's true, but that's not what John is getting at here in, in this scripture. That's not what he's saying. He says greater is he that is in you, plural, you, the believers, you, the body of Christ, you, the church, you, the congregation, greater is he that is in all of you than he that is in the world. Amen. This is important. Why? Because we can't conquer it on our own. Now, granted, I've got the Spirit of God because I'm a born-again individual. I've got God on my side, and I've got God to fight my battles, yes. But my goodness, if I know I'm going into a spiritual battle, if we know that we're going to go out and evangelize, if we know we're going to go out and preach the word, why is it that we request the prayers of fellow believers in Christ? Because we need each other. Amen. I need you all to pray for me. I need that. It's not something that I just want, that I just desire. It's something that I need. Amen. 
and you need me and everybody else to pray for you in these matters. It's not that God uh, that God cannot Amen. act if we don't pray. There's plenty of times in the scriptures that God acted without a single person praying about it. God acted on Saul on the road to Damascus. And I never read in the scripture where Saul prayed unto God that, that he would save his soul. God doesn't need us to pray in order to act. But boy, it helps. It helps, and it's good, and it's comforting, and it's encouraging for me to know that other people are praying for me. Greater is he that is in you. It's plural. Who mean? It's plural. Greater is he that is in you, all of you that are sitting here saved and born again this morning, than he that is in the world. Greater is the Spirit of God. Greater is God himself. The Spirit of God is God. The Spirit of God is Christ. The Spirit of Christ that the, that the Scripture speaks of, it is God. And it, and it is the Holy Ghost. Uh, and there's different ways that the Scripture uh, describes and pronounces uh, uh, the Spirit of God, but it's all one Spirit. It's all one Spirit. Verse 5, they, they are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. This is something, I know we've talked a little bit going through 1 John of how, uh, uh, how we can be assured in our faith, how we can be assured of salvation. And one of those we read not long ago that uh, we know we've passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. That's an assurance of salvation. If you hated the church, if you hated God, if you hated the Bible, if you, if you hated preachers and teachers and anybody that mentioned anything spiritual, uh, uh, anything that was godly or anything about the gospel, if you hated that, and then you had that experience with God where he saved your unworthy soul, and now there's nothing better than going to the meeting house of God and being around God's people and people, <coughs> excuse me, people of, of a like faith. Oh, that's an assurance of salvation. From what I can tell in the scriptures. But here in verse 5, he says, They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. Amen. This is an assurance that someone's a false prophet. Who is the they that he's speaking of? The false teachers. That's the they. And he says, they are of the world. Therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. Now, I'm not going to say that every preacher that's got a massive congregation is a false prophet. John MacArthur has got a pretty good-sized congregation underneath him, and I think he's a sound teacher. I think he's a sound preacher. I've never heard him get out of the way with, with anything that I've heard or read for that matter. And there, there's a lot of other people I could say that about. There's some people I could say, uh, you know, they might get out in left field once in a while, but I'm not going to say they're not a brother in Christ. Uh, you know, they might, they might go against some uh, personal interpretations that I might have of the scripture, they, uh, uh, you know, things that don't affect salvation. But what, are we, what have we specifically been talking about in these verses, though, is those that will not and do not confess that Jesus Christ is God come in the flesh. That is a basic doctrine of Amen. the gospel. It is a basic doctrine of the New Testament. And, and it is a basic fulfillment of Old Testament scripture as far as that goes. 
but it's very basic. And if people will deny that something that is that basic and something that is that plain and black and white in the scriptures, my goodness, what else will they deny? What else will they try and scare us away from? What else will they do? They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world. These are the people that believe there's more than one way to heaven. These are the people that say, well, I don't believe that God would send people to hell. These are the folks that believe that they can go out and live any kind of life that they want to. And God is so forgiving that he's going to overlook their sin. And what does that do? That flocks people to that person. These are the Jim Joneses of the world. These are the David Koresh's of the world, those of you that are old enough to know who those folks are. They're the false teachers. They're the false prophets. They're the they're, they're antichrist and the spirit that they carry. They're antichrist and right. everything about them because they tell a false gospel and they do this and they get a following. I remember the church I pastored in Johnson City. I told them one time that tomorrow I could start a black sock religion and I could have a following by 6 p.m. that evening. I could say anybody that's wearing black socks is going to heaven. And I guarantee you, if I went downtown Johnson City and preached that on a street corner, by 6 o'clock that evening, I would have a following. It might be a few, it might be a hundred people, but somebody would listen to that because they don't want Jesus Christ being the one that gets them to heaven. They want to be something that they have done. I put black socks on my feet. I made sure they were black. I made sure that they uh, that they were so black that uh, that they would never turn color. They would never fade. I did this. This is the attitude of people. This is the attitude of people that have the spirit of Antichrist. They want it resting on themselves. I want my salvation resting on the mercy of God and on the Amen. work of Jesus Christ. Amen. And that's exactly where my salvation rests. That's where my assurance rests. Not on anything that I've done. Yes, I confessed. Yes, I repented. Yes, I've done all those things. But folks, that confession and that repentance would be useless without the work of Christ dying for me Amen. on the cross. Amen. That's why I repented. And that's what I believed was that Jesus Christ died for me. Paul wrote to Timothy, Amen. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. It's the whole reason Christ came was to save sinners. And when he came, speaking back into these verses that we're talking about now, he came as God manifests in the flesh. Amen. They are of the world and false teachers are of the world. Therefore speak they of the world and the world heareth them. The world will flock after these I read there's a certain church with a certain smiling pastor in Texas. I'm sure some of you can gather who I'm talking about. But where he has professing atheists in his congregation. I don't know what the percentage is. But professing atheists that attend church regularly. And they tithe. And they help. They, they do things out in the community. Professing atheists. Folks, that tells me they ain't hearing the truth. 
That tells me that somebody has lied to them and said, it don't matter if you believe in God or not. It doesn't matter if, if you believe in the Bible or believe in God or, or Satan, for that matter, or heaven or hell or anything else. These are the very people that we're talking about here. They speak of the world, and the world heareth them. And this certain so-called pastor in Texas, that's all he talks about is the world and people. And what people can do for themselves. Just to give you a hint, if you don't know who I'm talking about, how people can have their best best lot now. And folks, that's it's it goes beyond dangerous. It's just shameful that that goes on. There's quite a congregation in that church too. Verse six: We are of God. Praise the Lord. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now the last line of this verse, we have to take into consideration the, the, the verse that we read previous to this and this one. So they are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. Then we are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. We know this, hereby know we the spirit of truth because we are of God. And those that know God heareth us. Who is John talking about here? Well, John would have been talking about himself. He would have been talking about uh, the, the original 12, uh, or the original disciples of Jesus, most of which, if not all of which, had died by the point and by the time this letter was written. But those that have heard the witness of the disciples of Jesus Christ, those that, have, that had spent time with them, if you remember in 1 John chapter 1, he said, he said this was his testimony. This is, what he, this is why those people should have been listening to him because he had spent time with the man. He had spent time with God manifesting the flesh while God manifesting the flesh was here on this earth. He said, we are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. And this is a distinction that has been around since John's days. It's a distinction that's been around since the Old Testament prophets. It's a distinction that's been around uh, since Moses. And further back, those that knoweth God, those that know who God is, they hear the people of God. And not only do they hear, they understand and they agree with the people of God. Now, like I said, we can disagree all day long on little petty things that don't matter. Little, uh, you know, I've given examples about that in the past. I won't do it this morning. There's certain things in the scripture that I can disagree all day with people and I can still call them brother or sister in Christ. Now, there's certain other things I can't do that with, like denying that Jesus Christ is God come in the flesh, denying the virgin birth, denying that, Jesus, that salvation is only through Jesus Christ and only through faith and repentance. Denying these things, I cannot go along with that. And I cannot fellowship with someone that believes that. I will try and convince them otherwise and use the scripture to do so. But if they go on believing their errored ways, I cannot have fellowship with that person. That doesn't mean I completely throw them to the side, cast them off, whatever you want to call it. I would continue trying to convince that person of the word of God. But if 
You all who are here saved, hear me say those things. You hear me say, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh. Jesus Christ died for your sins. And you, and you must believe. You must repent. You hear me say that. What do we do? We agree on that. Or at least I hope you agree with me because that's what the Bible says. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And those two verses, verse 5 and verse 6 of 1 John chapter 4, and those two verses, that's how we know the spirit of truth. And that's how we know the spirit of error is through those two verses, as well as many other things. But in the context that we're reading this morning, and I'll wrap it up with verse 6, uh, but in that context, hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error, because the world hears those that speak of the world and don't speak of Christ. Y'all remember what Jesus Christ said about the Holy Spirit of God. He said, when the Comforter comes, he will testify of me. If people come to you and they say, well, the Holy Spirit told me of this one or told me of that one, that's a lie. Now, it might have been a spirit, but I can promise you it wasn't the spirit because the Spirit of God will testify and does testify of Jesus Christ. That's what the Word of God says that the Holy Spirit does. <clears throat> we'll wrap that up this morning. Anybody got any questions or comments on that? All right. God bless you. I appreciate you. How you doing, brother?